Welcome to Around the Keg, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. College football is less than two weeks away, and the boys here at ATK could not be more excited. Let's go ahead and jump right into it this week. As usual, we have Wit, Matt, and myself, Keys. Unfortunately, no Lando this week. However, we do have a very special guest with us this week from the early days of Around the Keg. We're excited to have Chad back with us today. Chad, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. It has been a minute since I've been on the old ATK. If you guys go back and listen to the Lost episodes, like the very first three we ever recorded, they were all piss poor, but I was on there with my hot takes. Hey, we recorded them. They're in Anchor somewhere. <laughs> we're not sure. They're in there somewhere. We're but not sure exactly where no, they Chad's are. Chad's in like they're, the first like five or six on, on, the, on the Spotify. On Spotify, I'm only in like three, but there's like Lost episodes that like Wit will not release. They're probably on the... In they're, the, on and they're, in the they're in the dark web. They're in my they're like the interweb okay. somewhere. Yeah, I'm in charge of releasing these episodes. <laughs> Vietnamese people actually listen to those. They found them. We're very big over there. Yeah, strike one. And if you wondered why we haven't had Chad on, <laughs> there's just a small sample size into to, to where those episodes may be. He's just yeah. like a Zuna. Like you put him out there, you're hoping he's not going to do anything wrong, and he just does multiple <laughs> things wrong constantly. See, Ozuna goes to jail. The Braves win a World Series. I go to jail. ATK gets bigger. <laughs> it's all part of it. So Chad walks in straight to jail. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we're back to football season. The AP Top 25 just came out. What was it on Tuesday? I think it was either yeah. Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. early this year. Yeah, it was early, but man, I've, I've been itching for some college football. So like just seeing AP Top 25 college football rankings, God, I felt the tingle down deep in my soul. And uh, it calls, it, it's calling for fall. And uh, man, I, I'm excited. You gotta love it, man. It's it's that itch that we've had for a while, and like baseball season's great, but like when you finally hit August, you realize that wait for college football season is it's it's over. Like it's here. You got three. We got what two, a week left before week zero. We'll all be up late watching Hawaii Vandy. Like it's it's the best time of the year, without a doubt. It's it's gonna be good stuff, and you know the. I know Wit was recently uh, featured on the Never Graduate podcast, mm -hmm. which uh, they kind of broke down the what was it twenty five to twelve, yeah. This first this first episode and then part one, and they got part two coming out. Uh, I believe it's probably gonna be like Tuesday next week. Yeah. So and, and recorded though. Yeah. So we could like we could sit here and we could break down the top twenty five, um, like y'all did. But I feel like y'all did a pretty good job, and I also but. There was a couple of things that I heard that I would like to dive into. One being Houston. Uh, I agree with a lot of what you said, and essentially what you said is that Houston, uh, you see them as being like a New Year's Six team out of the group of five. Uh, I like that, but I would definitely watch out for SMU because I think the Pony Express is making its way back uh, in, 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 that, in the American Conference. Yeah, me and Tyler were pretty limited on time, so I really didn't dive into a ton of that take. Because the way that we were doing it, it was you had like a 45-minute limit on how we were recording. and So I tried to be thorough, but still pretty brief. For for me, when it comes to the American Conference, there's four teams that really have a good chance to win it. And we were actually talking about this in our group message earlier with Mark, who lives in Dallas and is a big, uh, started to become an SMU fan and TCU fan just because he lives over there. So, But uh, I'd say SMU... Houston, uh, I think UCF takes a big step forward this year. And um, Cincinnati, obviously. They still got Luke Fickle. They're going to have a lot of guys come back from last year, um, besides most of their best players like Sauce Gardner and um, Desmond Ritter. So we'll see how it goes. See, my, my biggest thing about SMU that I think I question is 
the fact that it's a new coach. I mean, Sonny Dyke stepped in there, and you know, if you remember his tenure at Cal, he wasn't he wasn't great. He got fired at Cal, came back to SMU, got him turned in the right direction. But does Rhett Lashley walk into that situation and make an immediate difference? I mean, it, you gotta you gotta give guys time, new system, new coaches, everything to get used to. And I know that he's been there since at least December or January to have some time to implement his stuff. But like, can Rhett Lashley actually come in and spark something? that quick. I mean, he had success at Auburn. He had success at Miami in his tenures there, but this is his first time as a head coach. That kind of gives me kind of gives me pause on SMU, and I, I don't think Cincinnati's going to take that far of a step back. I mean, they lost a lot of guys, but Luke Fickle is a top coach in the group of five, if not the best coach in the group of five, and they're very talented. He recruits well, the best recruiting team in the G5. So I, st- I still think the AAC is Cincinnati's to lose, in my opinion, before I think SMU. I think it's going to take Rhett Lashley more than just his first year. I think Houston's going to be better than Cincinnati this year. Like if, if we just get, if we're comparing those two teams, I would I would take Houston like today they're playing and the season hasn't happened. But if we're saying today that it's the AAC championship, Houston Cincinnati, uh, I think I would take Houston just because Cincinnati lost guys at keep key skill positions and then at quarterback, and you cannot replace quarterback experience in in college football. Uh, it the game moves fast. It's just a it's a di- it's a different animal, and you know I, I I really like Houston. I think Houston has a really good shot at being that New Year Six G five team this year, and I would love to see Dana Holgerson actually do something with it with a team. Well, like, the, the thing about Houston too is they have a lot of momentum coming from last year. Yeah, I mean they went what ten and two. Yeah, and then beat Auburn and what was it like the I can't remember what mm, game it was? Like did the they lose a second game? Was they it to, they lost to the did they lose to Cincinnati twice? I think they did. Okay, because I was thinking I was thinking they had one loss, but they did beat Auburn in the Birmingham Bowl. They beat Auburn in the Birmingham. That's yeah, the Birmingham Bowl, and then I, yeah, I can't remember. I think they definitely lost two. I'm pretty sure because I don't think they finished ranked, and I feel like they would have finished ranked if they were if they only had one loss. But I honestly cannot remember. Off the no, I yeah, I can't either. Either way, but yeah, I mean they're coming off a win over Auburn, and obviously Auburn at the end of the year was kind of struggling besides playing the tight game against Alabama uh, in the Iron Bowl. But for me, Clayton Tune comes back. Uh, Dana Holgerson, I think a lot of people gave him a lot of hate with how he left West Virginia and how he started off at Houston. And um, I think he is actually a really good coach. He did a lot of good things with West, West Virginia during his time there. And uh, I think now that he's in, what, year three with uh Yes, it's, it's year, right? no, this is year four because he went four and eight his first year. Then he went three and four because of the COVID year. They only played six games and they lost their bowl game to Hawaii. Or they Georgia lost, State, one of the two. They lost to Texas Tech last year. That was their that's, that's Texas that's Tech week that's, one that's in Texas NRG. Yeah. Yes, because Texas Tech, I believe, that was comes, a close game too. Right? They go to Texas Tech this they year. They lost thirty-eight right? twenty-one, so seventeen point loss. Yeah, week one. Week. That was a late game, week one. And Texas Tech was not bad last year. No, no, no not terrible. And then another another interesting. So that that nineteen twenty twenty-one in the AP poll. All right, you've got nineteen Arkansas, eight, uh, twenty Kentucky, twenty-one Ole Miss. I feel like all three of those teams have the potential to be two loss SEC, two three loss SEC teams, and that nine ten win fringe, or they could be seven and five. Looking at it, like both of all three of them, like easily. Uh, I don't know about Kentucky's schedule, but like Arkansas, I know that Arkansas is getting a ton of hype, and I'm going to go on record to say it right now: Arkansas is not going to perform as high as everyone's putting up because their schedule is. Brutal. Yeah, exactly. Their schedule is absolutely brutal. I mean, week one, you start off against, and you get them at home, 
and they're not and like we just talked about Cincinnati, but they get Cincinnati at home week one and that that's not easy. It doesn't matter how much Cincinnati lost like Luke Fickle and that team are going to come in prepared and they're, they're going to look at themselves as an opportunity. OK, if we jump out and we beat Arkansas, we can try to repeat what we did last year and run the table in the AAC. See, I'm not worried about that for Arkansas because I, I, I think you saw in the playoff Cincinnati can be out athleted. They're not going to have the depth. And Sam Pittman, Arkansas, that offensive line, is they're big, they're physical. They play a brand of football I don't think Cincinnati's going to be able to compete with. What I'm worried about is you go at A&M, home with Alabama, at Mississippi State, at BYU, at Auburn consecutively. And at BYU is not going to be an easy game. No, that trip to Provo in the middle of all that, yeah. that's brutal. And and you're and that's coming off of going to Starkville, which is not an easy place to play in with the cowbells and the loud, stupid <laughs> folks there. <laughs> I hate <laughs> <laughs> you graduate from Ole Miss, is that what it is? Well, no, no, no. It just I have always hated Mississippi State and Brandon Walker's a Mississippi State fan, and I absolutely hate him. So there's that. Uh, but at then Brandon Walker, and so yeah, at Brandon Walker, no free shoutouts. No free shoutouts, bitch. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> then, like Liberty, I'm not worried about that game. Like Liberty is Liberty's Liberty. Like Hugh Freeze, they they don't have Malik Willis anymore. Then they have LSU, which could, which I think LSU is going to be much improved this year. Ole Miss, and then at Missouri, so they'll beat Missouri. But I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven toss-up games, in my opinion. And if you want to take BYU out and say that Arkansas for sure wins the BYU game, six toss-up games, because I don't think Auburn's going to be as bad as everybody wants to no. to make them out to be. Brian Harson is a good football coach, and I do I like this pains me to say it out loud because I never wanted to say anything nice about Auburn. I hope they're they their their fans step on Legos barefoot when they wake up first thing in the morning. Like <laughs> I can't stand Auburn, but. Auburn's not going to be as bad as everyone makes him to be, and Jordan Air is a nightmare to play in. It is. It is. You, you never want to go there. Uh, Alabama's Alabama. Uh, that's not an easy game. And at A&M, another tough place to play. So, to me, Arkansas is just a – I feel like they're being set up as look at what we did last year, and they do have a ton of momentum coming off of last year. They do bring back K.J. Jefferson, but they lose Traylon Burks, who was probably the best wide receiver in the SEC overall last year, and he was their it factor for them in a lot of games. And I just think that losing that guy and having that schedule, I think Arkansas fans are set up to be disappointed with like a 7-5 and five year. Yeah, see, I, you're kind of talking me out of my take I had with Tyler because what, what, we, what we did was we did higher or lower on what we think. Um, the teams in the AP top 25 should be and Arkansas for me was a team I felt should have been closer to the top 10 range than what they're at right now. Maybe not actually top 10, but like maybe 12, 11, uh, just based on what they bring back. I mean, last year they were the number one rushing team in the entire SEC and uh, they lost Traylon Burks, but they brought back pretty much all their other receivers and they got Jane Hazelwood, who obviously underperformed what he was supposed to do at Oklahoma, but when people transfer, sometimes things change. So I could see him turning into that Traylon Burks type guy for them. Uh, they bring back their running game. KJ Jefferson's back, who I think he's top three quarterback in the SEC, without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. He's tough. If you look, at, if you look at that Texas A&M game last year, I mean, the dude was out there on one leg. Mm-hmm. Came back into the game, huge win for that program, and kind of what kickstarted all the momentum. You know, you can talk about that Texas game all you want last year, but I think that Texas A&M game was far. 
far more significant, especially as a conference win. Um, I mean, if we're talking about those three teams, you know, you mentioned Kentucky and Ole Miss as well. I think the one who's getting set up for the most failure probably is Ole Miss. Mm. And the only reason I say that is because Ole Miss, if you look at their schedule, Ole Miss is talented enough with a Lane Kiffin offense to be absolutely ridiculous. And with Jackson Dart, I mean, he's looked good in practice from the things that Zach I Evans hear. Too. So Zach Evans as well okay. coming in from TCU. So my only thing with Ole Miss is that they can set up and go 6 or 7-0 out of the gate. But that back half of the schedule is absolutely brutal. And I agree with Witt's take on the the podcast with that guy the other day. Like, Ole Miss is going to be in the top five at some point, but I can see them finishing around around where they are now because of that the last four or five games on their schedule are just is brutal, and including the Egg Bowl, which is always, always a toss-up. So, Ole Miss. I've got things to say. but wait, did, you, I, did you go to Ole Miss? Or I, I did. <laughs> I did go to Ole Miss. Shout out Hottie Toddy. Shout out Hottie Toddy. Uh, but here's, here's the thing with Ole Miss. They got better at every position this offseason with the exception of quarterback and linebacker. Defensive line, they got a lot better. They got J.J. Piggies from Auburn. They brought in Jared Ivey from Georgia Tech. Uh, they're a lot deeper now, too. They lost Sam Williams, but then they added three guys. Uh, offensive line, they're not very deep at offensive line, but they bring back Nick Broker. They have Jeremy James, shout out North Forsyth. Uh, he's, he's their starting right tackle. Uh, you've got uh, at, at running back, they go Zach Evans, Ulysses Bennett, who transferred from SMU, and they've got a freshman named Quinshawn Judkins, who apparently has blown everybody's doors off at practice. Runs like a 4-3-40, lightning quick. He's been like the surprise of practice at Ole Miss. So if, if we're talking your one question mark on offense is quarterback. But I feel like you kind of keep the same talent level in there. That's what I'm saying. Well, I, no, I'm not going to say he's no Matt Corral, but he definitely talent wise, he's got he's got that kind of talent area. I think for who Jackson Dart is. Yes, but he doesn't have the experience in Lane Kiffin's offense yet. But you got Lane Kiffin who talks about he's from what people say he's got a pretty simple offense to get into, and you put that talent in that system. I mean, the kid was at USC and he wasn't doing horrible. I mean, no, but. By all accounts, you upgraded at tight end Michael Trigg, too. That's true. From USC. Um, and they didn't have, almost didn't have that tight end that could run down the seam and stretch the field out last year like they did the year before with Kenny Yaboa. But I think my point is if you look at year one, Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin offense, he had a five interception game or six interception game against Arkansas and then another five interception game against LSU. And Jackson Dart, by all accounts, is a gunslinger and he's comfortable in the pocket. But per recent, like last week, they had a scrimmage and everything, and everything that's come out about it is if he if he goes outside the pocket and he tries to force something, bad things happen. So I think that he's got, he's got he's got the upside that I don't think Luke Luke Altmyer has. But like that, that's why I say that of those three teams of Arkansas, and I know we haven't really touched on Kentucky, but of Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Kentucky. That's why I think Ole Miss is set up for the biggest disappointment. Because of the success last year in the back half of that schedule and all the things that you add in about Jackson Dart, like they can start out hot, but are they talented enough and is Jackson Dart going to be good enough and experienced enough to run through the back half of that schedule? And like Ole Miss, if you really want to get down to it, Ole Miss has the potential and talent to be an 11-win team. 
But will they reach that potential? I don't know. I think they could fall back to being eight and four, nine and three, pushing a New Year's Six game like they did last year. I think one of their best things for them is that that comes in the back half. That doesn't happen immediately. That kid gets to kind of sit there and get some experience in before he has to go to that gauntlet. Yeah, I think it's a rough back half, but you're getting to put that kid in it at the back half of the season. You're not having to immediately be like, all right, kid, go out there and be in the SEC and learn this immediately. He gets to have that time, I think, a little bit time to have maybe some of those Matt Corral, two, three pick games and then learn from it. You can throw three interceptions and Bobby Dodd against Georgia Tech and still blow Georgia exactly. Tech's doors off. Exactly. What what worries me more so than anything for Ole Miss is linebacker. Yeah. They they the defense as a whole. It, no, no, I'm I'm, I'm I, I actually, is the defense going to be improved actually, from giving up all those points? Actually, fun fact, I disagree with, because if you look at Ole Miss's defense last year, like everybody looks at their 2020 defense and painted that last last year's defense, defense is the same thing. Ole Miss's defense last year in the, in the from the Arkansas, after the Arkansas game, then on was a completely different team. I mean, they they went into, into Nayland and they held their own against Tennessee which was a by a very good offense, um, I, and I hate Tennessee. But then you've got Texas A the Texas A and M game. The defense won the Texas A and M game for Ole Miss. Uh, the Egg Bowl, the defense showed out. Like there were several games late in the year, even in the Sugar Bowl. Once Matt Corral was down, I mean they held Baylor to 20, 21 points. Twenty one. It was twenty one sixteen, right? It was the final I think it was score. Like twenty one seven or fifteen. Like they didn't. The Ole Miss didn't score much. Sixteen. What Matt, the only about? issue I have with that is they lost their defense coordinator last year. But but they, really they lost both coordinators, the, which yeah. is also they, another they, factor. They, they, they lost both coordinators. Yeah, but, but you're not you're not going to be worried about the. Offense. But I'm not worried about the defensive coordinator because DJ Dirk, the guy that they hired as the as the defensive coordinator this year was the co-defensive coordinator last year with DJ Dirk. So there's really not a lot of turnover he there. He just wasn't the play caller last year. The uh, like the the offensive play calling was all Jeff Levy. I I could see that being an issue, but I don't and I, I not, not with Lane Kiffin. Hot, be, well, who did who did they hire off in their offensive coordinator? Charlie Weiss Jr. Charlie Weiss. Who was the offensive coordinator with Lane Kiffin at FAU? Okay. So it's and not, so there's chemistry there. There's familiarity. There's familiarity. Um but to the defensive point part there was a point last year where I remember vividly saying, I think I think DJ Durkin needs to move on from Ole Miss because I don't think he had the players buy in. And if if you look like there was there would be clips, you know how like teams will put out like clips of practices and stuff or like coaches trying to hype up players in locker rooms like I don't know if Georgia does. I know Alabama will do it. Like yeah, we're, pretty much every team does it. Like with Saban will be out there coaching guys up or whatever. And when you watch those videos, all the guys are like locked in. They're staring at their coach. They're, DJ Durkin, there was a – that like they did – Ole Miss does the season that like runs on YouTube and it used to be on ESPNU and it's like a, the week of practice leading up to the game and they released it the following week. They released a clip for it and DJ Durkin's talking to his defense and half of them aren't even looking at him. Like, they were di- completely disengaged from him. I don't think he ever really had the buy-in of the defense as a whole. And Chris Partridge, who is now the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss, was the co-DC last year. He just wasn't the in-game play caller. So I don't think that there's really that big of a difference. Plus, you've got 10, 11 guys that you're going to be rotating in on the defensive line. The secondary, they didn't lose anybody. And then they added uh, Davis and Igbenosu, the, the four-star safety out of New Jersey. He was a stud. He's been electric um so they got and they uh picked up a couple of transfers on that side of the ball too wide receiver they got better there like i i 
I think my biggest thing with the back end is I don't think they have the depth. If they have one or two injuries early, they're done when they hit that back end. So I think their season hinges on week eight in Baton Rouge. What's your schedule prediction? I've got them at nine and three. Nine and three. I've so got you, them at nine and three, but I've got them winning. That's fair. I've got them winning the first seven. I think they they the first four. It's like uh, Central Arkansas, and then which is winnable. I don't remember who yeah. their second game is. Uh, and Troy's the, first. Troy, Georgia Central. Tech Troy, is week Troy, three. Tech is Troy three. Troy Central Arkansas Tech, and Tulsa. then and then Tulsa. And then Kentucky. they go four and zero oh before the before home in Kentucky's homecoming for them, and that's going to be a massive game. That's the first SEC game. It's homecoming. The Grove's going to be rocking. Vault Hemingway will be rocking. That'll be amazing. I, I, I'm not. I, I'm I, not. I'm not in on Kentucky. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not really big on Kentucky. I'm either, not in on Kentucky. So I think I think Ole Miss wins that game. They're then they have after Kentucky. Vanderbilt. They go Vandy six and zero. Huge That's weight a on this game. game out there. going into Nashville. Going into Nashville. Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tough place to play. And then they have Auburn, which is a weird game because I think Auburn is going to be good, but it's not in Jordan Hare. So I think they win that game. So they've got them at seven and zero going into Baton Rouge. I think they'll. I think, I think they'll win that game. You, th- I, 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 I think LSU is going to be so much better this year. Chad, what's with you and LSU, man? You don't seem like you're very high on LSU going into this year. Like, all right, I'm only, I'm, we're not going to sit here and like get into a deep thing about LSU just because. But here's my thing, Brian. I think LSU had their guy in Lincoln Riley. I think that's who they thought they were going to get, and I think the only reason they stepped out and went and got Brian Kelly's because they felt like, oh God, now we've put it out there that we're. We're going to get Lincoln Riley. Anybody else would be a disappointment. Yeah. So they had to go out and make a big splash hire and get this big name. And look, I, I think Brian Kelly's a good coach, but I think Brian Kelly, I think Brian Kelly is going to be humbled. Is Brian Kelly ready for this conference? Like you don't get to schedule New Mexico, Navy, Army, BYU, and USC on your schedule in an independent anymore and say, oh God, well, we got a strong schedule, man. Yeah, you got no, Alabama, you don't. Ole Miss, Arkansas. You, you're in the best division in college football. There's not... There's not a team no in the West this year that I don't look at and go, God, they're ridiculously talented. Every single one of them, all seven. And I'm sorry, I don't care how much talent you got. I don't think Brian Kelly is the type of guy who can survive the pressure and the grind of the SEC West. I don't. I, I here's 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 why I'm higher on LSU. They have all the talent there. They haven't had coaching since Joe Brady left. With no, Joe Burrow, that's fair, and that whole and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and all those guys, there was no, by all accounts of what's gone in LSU, gone on in LSU, there is no, there was no like structure, there was no discipline, it was just a free for all. Edo did a terrible job, and I think that's where Brian Kelly coming in, he doesn't have to recruit a whole lot right now. Because the talent's already there. Plus, they haven't really had a quarterback since Joe Burrow left, and he gets Jaden Daniels to transfer in from Arizona State, who we'll see, but it's better than Miles Brennan. Scared yes. him away, and he got to keep all the money. Well, they also got um, A&M kid. Um, what is that kid's name? Didn't they get that kid from A&M? Uh, A&M kid? No, I think the what A&M kid position? left LSU. And Talk about Calzada? Yes, he's no, he went, he's, he went Auburn. Auburn. Yeah. Thank you. I'm sorry. He's, yeah, they got I'm, Arizona State. Jayden yeah, Daniels. they got Jaden Daniels because yeah. Emory Jones went to Arizona State. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, here, I'll say this about Jaden Daniels: Jaden Daniels has shown flashes and potential at Arizona State of his ability to run and throw the ball. I, th- I think back to that Oregon game in 2019 was, when they exactly when I'm they saying. upset them. But at the same time, 
I'm I'm not sold on Jaden Daniels, and I'm not sure if I'm not sold on Jaden Daniels because of Herm Edwards and his offense and what they did out there. I just don't know if we've seen everything he's got or if we have. To me, Jaden Daniels is a big question mark. Like I I just he's a talented kid, super talented. I think he's got great speed. He can throw the ball really well. He can make good reads, and he's a smart quarterback. But have we seen Jaden Daniels, or have we not? That's my biggest thing. Is this is not the Pac-12? Um, I'm sorry, I'm going hard SEC bias right now. This is not the Pac-12. No, 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 no. You, I agree with you. I agree with you. I just, I feel like LSU had all the talent there, but they quit on Coach O. Absolutely. Matt, I know. Absolutely. I know what that feels like. And, they and, literally had players opt yeah, out in the middle of the season. And, and, and that's I what, what I mean. That feels like. I know yes. what that feels but, like. But, but but that's what I mean. Like. And that's why I feel like I'm a little bit higher on Florida now than I was originally, just because I think Billy Napier does have a little bit of momentum going for him. We'll get and to I that. Think, and I think, and I think that there is enough momentum and talent, or excuse me, not momentum, but just pure talent that's already in that program to to win games. And that's how I feel about LSU. There's enough talent there to win games, and so. Hold on. Before we get on to Florida, because I know we're about to talk about Florida. No, I got, I got the reason I'm so high. I'm very high in LSU. When I say very high, I mean I think they're going to go eight and four for their first year with Brian Kelly. Right, right, right. Which I think is pretty fair. But in the in the, in the SEC, I think, West, I think that, that yeah, would be disappointing really to LSU. Yeah. I think LSU fans would be vastly disappointed. They'll with be that. disappointed it's because they're but it is reasonable. Yeah, and LSU fans are unreasonable. Like two or three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I understand that, but eight and four to me after what. They were the last two seasons in the SEC West. And they got yeah. strong. This, I mean, this this might be the strongest the SEC West has yeah. been at least since 2004. It would be yeah. a step up because if any of you watched the Texas Bowl last year, Kansas State embarrassed that team. Yeah, embarrassed them. I, and and that's why. But but that's what I mean. More, I I, I think LSU is going to be better. And that's kind of where I am is that eight yeah. and four range. But Ole Miss is an LSU is a rivalry. That is a that is a massive rivalry, a game. quiet one that not a lot of people know about. <laughs> yeah, I only know about it because I got to. I went to Ole Miss. So, I mean, otherwise, I I think like, oh yeah, cool, SEC West. If Madison. I if I didn't know your brother in law, I wouldn't know about it either. And and so that's that's and it's always been a thing. It's a big rivalry, and I I think that with it being in Baton Rouge, Ole Miss loses that game. So I, that that is the game to me that hinges Ole Miss's season. If I I personally believe if Ole Miss beats. LSU in Baton Rouge, and they start off eight. No, they go ten and two. I think they split the last yeah. two. I think they lose to Alabama. I think they lose to A and M. I think they beat Arkansas, beat State in the Egg Bowl, and they go ten and two. And now I can see that. A, and now you're looking at a Sugar Bowl. So, yeah. So to me, like, if if we're talking about going back to where we originally started with this, with Arkansas, Kentucky, and Ole Miss, where you said that you feel like Arkansas or Ole Miss is the setup with the most disappointment. I think Arkansas has set themselves up to where they believe they should go ten and two this year, and I just don't see it. Whereas I see, I could see Ole Miss and Ole Miss fans. If eight and four happens, that's not a like Ole Miss fans aren't going to be disappointed with eight and four. I feel like there's Give, a lot of Ole Miss fans that would be very disappointed. See, and that that's I, see, I'm I with, know not I'm you, with and I know on not that. Nathan as well. And I'm like, people a, I know. I, I they probably agree with you, but I do know some Ole Miss fans that think Lane Kiffin is like their Nick Saban, and he's going to bring and, I, and I'm maybe with, not a national championship, but, but they're going to be consistently. In and, I, and I'm with Wit on that because I, I think I think old I think there would be I think there would be more disappointed Ole Miss fans because of what they did last year and because of Lane Kiffin than Arkansas fans. Because let, let's let's just remind ourselves of this real quick: Chad Morris, 
John L. Smith, some of those years in Arkansas football history, it has been miserable before Sam Pittman got there. Like this is only year three. They went three and seven in twenty twenty and they were ecstatic about it, as they should have been. They should have been ecstatic with that nine and four last year. But you have to remember, you're still Arkansas. If we're talking in terms of talent rosters from top to bottom, you might be seven in the SEC West, talent wise. Talent wise, because maybe six, maybe more talented than Mississippi State. But Arkansas Arkansas, I think, would be okay with seven and five. I disagree. I I think they would. I think that they're seven and five now. With eight and four, I think they'd be. I I think they'd be fine with that. If they went nine and four again, what is Sam Pittman's ceiling in the SEC West with the rest with the rest of the coaches in the West right now? Though I got an A. That's what you got to think about. But if you if you're and this is this is coming from like I a couple of Ole Miss guys that I listen to that that have podcasts. They've pretty much said that Ole Miss is wide open this season. They could see eight and four. They could see ten and two. They could see eleven and one. I but, could see 11 and, and one. Once again, reasonable Ole Miss fans. But 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 I feel like a majority of Ole Miss fans are in that in that window of you lost Matt Corral, who at one point was a Heisman contender last year, and who carried the team on one leg for the Tennessee game, who carried the team and kept them in the Auburn game when receivers were going down. Yeah, you got deeper at a lot of other positions. But the depth isn't there at linebacker. The depth isn't there at the offensive line. And you have a massive question mark. Like Jackson Dart, the upside, and what everybody has talked about that he could be is out through the roof. But but that's what I'm saying why it could be disappointing. Yeah, but but I, I wouldn't say that that's a disappointment, though. Like, if you've got a question mark there at quarterback and you go 8-4 – and four, after you, if if I told you last year you're going to lose Matt Corral, you're going to lose two of your top three receivers, you're going to lose all three running backs, you're going to lose three linebackers, and you're going to lose an offense your your best offensive lineman, and next year you're going to go eight and four. Do you think Ole Miss fans would be like, oh, that sucks, given their recent history? But more so than Arkansas. Look, Matt, if we're I talking more recent history. <laughs> and I'm closer with the program, so just go ahead and shut the hell up. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> like, but here's my thing, though. You say recent history. I think Arkansas has been through a far deeper pit of misery as a fan base. I think if Sam Pittman, I'd say I'd, it's pretty similar. I don't know because you go from Hugh Freeze and going to the Sugar Bowl you get, to, to, to getting to, murdered to, by to, Western to, Kentucky and to, North Texas to NCAA allegations, and then like I'll give Matt Luke his credit. But Matt Luke even went six and six one year. You're right. You're right. Arkansas lost to North Texas, Western Kentucky, and San Jose State. You got to remember, Ar- hating on North Texas now. Yeah, I know you love the Mean Green. Yeah, but like Brett think Bielema about that. Was the head coach at Arkansas during the huge freeze years? Yes, That's, that was the. But they weren't even of bad. Football, but they. They weren't they were even, good. but they no, the eight, pinnacle was Bobby Petrino. Four, and they were really, really good. It was probably the best Arkansas's ever been. No, no Bobby no. Petrino. Arkansas, Bobby Arkansas. Petrino. Yeah, yeah, well, Bobby Petrino. And yeah, then, with the Ryan. We, we with, beat with Arkansas Mallet. in the SEC and, championship game when we won it with Leak in 06. And then, and then back in like, oh. It was weak, Chad. We don't know who you're a fan oh, two, I'm a Florida fan for those of you who don't know. Oh, two, oh, three. Arkansas was in the SEC championship whenever Georgia won. That first one with Mark Rick, yep. they lost to Matt Jones was the quarterback for Arkansas in a weak SEC West. In a very Before the weak. SEC started dominating, but national but it's it. My my point still stands is that Arkansas had been a contender in the West in the Bobby Petrino years, where Ole Miss Hugh Freeze is the pinnacle of Ole Miss since Archie Manning. Uh, Eli pinnacle. 
I would. I mean, Houston Nut had some okay first couple seasons. They, they so went to the, the, Eli went to the Cotton Bowl. Eli never went to the Sugar Bowl. Hugh Freeze went to the Sugar oh, Bowl. Cotton Bowl's good. It's a good bowl game. Hugh Freeze destroyed Oklahoma game. State Great in the Sugar Bowl. I take the Cotton but, Bowl. All right, all right. Playoff game. I think. Let me let me just let me just say this. I think like that that horse is dead. Yeah, that horse is dead. Like, horse. if we're gonna talk about if we're gonna talk about the AP top twenty five, can I just say one thing? Please explain to me where this ACC love is coming from. Why is North Carolina State at thirteen? And I'm sorry, Pitt lost way too much to be at seventeen. And Wake Forest without Sam Hartman at twenty two, the only ACC team that should have any value and Miami, frankly, we got to see it from crystal ball first. The only ACT team, in my opinion, that should be ranked is Clemson. I agree. I completely disagree, but I actually, I agree. I agree with you. Sorry. On Clemson. I disagree with you on Miami. I agree with you on Pitt and wake. And I think that NC state should be like a top 25, but maybe not 13. I agree with, but so that's where I stand. <laughs> I really, I really hate to do this, but I'm going to bring you right back to the SEC West because I really want to hear y'all feel about Texas A&M. I feel like that's the one West team we didn't really talk about, and I feel Eight like and four. they have just as much just room for it to go horrible or for it to go good. And I feel like they're also way too high. I think that they're. I don't think that they're too high. I think that that that. I I, I think it just depends on where you what what you're looking at when you they don't know about quarterback. No, no. I, I think it depends on what you're looking at when you rank a team in the top 25. If like they're if, going if you're solely saying, off talent, I if, get it. if you're if you're saying solely that, off talent, yes. If they're going solely yeah. off talent, they're not high enough. In my yeah, and that's yeah. what, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like so, if you're if you're looking at just the talent that's on the roster, and you're saying that these are the best 25 teams in the country, I would have a hard time saying Can that I, A&M's not better than so Notre Dame. I'll, I'll say I'll say one thing about A&M, and then we'll move on. If Jimbo Fisher doesn't have a minimum make a New Year's Six Bowl this year, that seed is on fire. Oh, I agree. Massively on fire. I, Matt, uh, I think it should be on fire now. Already. The only reason that that they have not fired him yet, in my opinion, is because of the guaranteed $75 million he's owed for what? Six more years? I think it's. I think it also has to do with the fact that he just recruited the highest rate, rated well, recruiting. Top five but recruiting they're like 50 it, right now. Right, but but they're 50 right now in this current cycle. Yeah, but no one cares about the Nobody cycle cares about the cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, doesn't matter at all. Because there's... I'm just adding it there's to guys it. Are, I know what you're saying. There's guys that are going to flip. But it, A&M to me is... I think they benefit from having home field advantage for a lot of big games like Ole Miss, which I think could be a tough game for them. Uh, Alabama will be in Tuscaloosa. I think Alabama's got vengeance on revenge the, tour. Vengeance Alabama's on the brain. Revenge um, tour. I, look, if if you had to gun to head right now, I think I think A and M loses three or four games this year. Again, again, yeah, again. But I think okay, yeah, keep going. But it it could be. I I just I'll be honest I don't believe in I don't I don't believe in I don't Jimbo. believe in Jimbo. I See I think A and M and Clemson are exactly the same. It's no both teams, two teams. Listen two teams, tons of talent. They need to prove that that talent can be developed. Now on defense, Clemson was good last year with the talent they had. Clemson has good talent on offense, but they probably had the least they've had since Dabo has finally gotten them to where they need to. Be. Well, but I th- I think the difference though in A and M and Clemson is I actually believe in the man at the driver's seat at Clemson because I've seen it. 
Yeah, I saw he, it once with Jimbo in 2013 because he had a generational quarterback. Other than that, look at his Florida State tenure. Uh, Dabo's had two generational quarterbacks when he's won national championships. He has. He has. But Dabo, he does not right now. <laughs> but, Dabo, but, but Dabo has been sustained. Dabo slowly built and got there. Jimbo got handed the keys to a Ferrari from Bobby Bowden. And where did he drive it? He part like he drove it to one national championship. I, His last year, he went six and six. Florida State is in a dumpster fire, not because of Willie Taggart or Mike Norvell, record, but because of Jimbo Fisher. For the because record, of Jimbo Fisher, I agree. I agree with you. For the record, are you saying Max Johnson's not a generational quarterback? I'm 100 percent saying that Max Johnson's not a generational quarterback. I don't care about the, some words. stupid shoe game in That's the an fog. Athens boy. Max Johnson is not a generational. That's quarterback. an Athens boy. We got a lot of love for Max Johnson. Shut <laughs> the f- <laughs> shut the back door. Hey, his Get dad, his dad coached at Georgia for a little bit. Congratulations, good for his dad. He's a good dad. We don't give a damn about his dad. He's that's the his dad. quarterback at A and M now, right? Yes. 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 That's what you were trying to. That's figure what out I was earlier. trying to figure yes. out earlier. Yeah. Thank you. Flipped. That's yeah. what it was. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Made it click. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that, Ian. You're welcome. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into the pour one out, cut them off segment. Chad, you're here this week. You want to start us off here? Yeah, so I'm going to pour one out for the reason that I'm in Atlanta with the boys again this weekend. Made the oh, yeah. three. Go into this, please. That's right. Yes. Um, so made the drive down three and a half hour drive from good old Asheville, North Carolina, in the mountains I live in. Uh, Keys and I are going to a Screamo concert tomorrow night, Metalheads for Life. And tonight, us and all the boys, even the guys who don't listen to screamo music like Keys and I do, are going to Emo Night. So we're pouring one out for Emo Night and great heavy metal music. We love the riffs. We will always love the riffs. Um, I'm cutting off Mets fans. Um, I'm going to get really angry here in a second. So let's just let me just go ahead and forewarn everybody. I took this personal last weekend when we lost four out of five and everybody was saying it was over and we were seven and a half games back. Let me tell you something. The Atlanta Braves, how did they respond? Our world champion, Atlanta Braves. And when, let me ask you something, Mets fans, if you're out there listening. What's the damn last time you won a World Series? So get off of it. Get off of it. We trimmed your lead down four games after you took four out of five from us. We went to Boston, swept the Red Sox at Fenway. Regardless of how good Boston, how good or bad Boston is, Fenway is always a tough place to play. Yeah, we went to Miami. The Marlins suck. But we took a doubleheader with three guys who have been playing for the Stripers basically all year in, well, excuse me, two, and Ian Anderson, who just got sent down. And Jake Odorizzi, who, as we saw last, uh, what, Wednesday night, has been hideous since he's been a Brave. So, I just, I'm cutting the Mets fans off because y'all said it was over. Then you tried to come after us and say that William Contreras stole Edwin Diaz's walk-up song and his walkout music. Well, you know what? God forbid anyone ever likes the same song. I mean, I believe that every song should Fire be Fire song. I love the song. It is a good I love those trumpets, <laughs> that, man. That walkout though it's was awesome. pretty awesome. It is a it, it's pretty cool. But God forbid only one person can ever like one song ever in their life. They're both Hispanic and it's like a it's narcos. It is like a Hispanic song, isn't it? I honestly don't uh, know. The Braves are it's also like, up three to zero right now against the Chiefs. Yeah, shout out Austin right. Riley, three run bomb. <laughs> Ooh, Austin Riley. Baby. Exactly. And let me ask you this, Mets fans. Do you have an MVP candidate? Because if you say Pete Alonzo, I'm sorry, he's not. You will fall <laughs> apart. You will. You are not young enough. You will not stay healthy. You've already lost Carrasco and Guillaume this week. Good luck with that lead you got. And you know what? Even if you do win the division, good for you. We're not going to miss the playoffs. We're going back to back. Oh, young, thick Austin Riley. 
So I'm pouring one out for Angry Chad. Uh, <laughs> it's nice to have you back, buddy. It's good to hear uh, the emotion behind the hate for our rival New York Mets. Uh, of course, it would probably be like that for any team that rivaled the Braves at any point in time. Uh, Chad is our probably biggest Braves fan, top top two maybe. Uh, so, Chad, thank you for that. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Good to hear. It hasn't the Met the hate for the Mets hasn't always been there. It usually depends on who our biggest threat is. It used to be the Nationals. But now that the Mets think they're good all of a sudden with their $40 million every year for a guy whose arm's going to turn into jello by the time the playoffs get here, whatever. I'm, I'm done. Go Braves. I got some funny stuff to say to you about a, what a Mets fan told me in Texas, but I'm going to save it because I think it'll turn into like a 45-minute conversation, and I don't think we need that today. We'll talk about it at Emo Night. Either way, yeah. I'm going to need something to talk about at Emo Night. Either way, uh, I'm cutting off the Big Ten. And uh, I was originally going to pour one out for them because I think they signed a really good media deal. Um, but I will say, as a college football fan, I hate the fact that they are cycling with who gets their primetime game year after year. They have three different TV stations covering their games. They got CBS, they got they got uh, Fox, and they got NBC, um, all of which I enjoy. I'm really not a big Fox guy for college football. I like it more for the NFL. Um, sorry, Gus Johnson, I can't stand you. Um, and I really, really hate that the Big Ten is taking the 330 SEC on CBS uh, theme song because it is possibly my favorite theme song of any sport ever that has ever existed in eternity. So, Big Ten, I hate you, and I hope you die. Uh, Keys, who are you pouring one out for? Or, sorry, Matt, who are you pouring one out for? So, I am pouring one out for Dr. Kyle Marrero and athletic director Jared Binko of the Georgia, the Georgia Southern University. Hail Southern. Kaka! Hail Southern. Uh, because they have sent another letter. Uh, they're pushing for the College Football Hall of Fame to put Irk Russell in the Hall of Fame. About time. It is yeah. a, it's an absolute sham that he's not in. And the whole reason that he's not in, if you're not familiar with the situation, is because there is like a 10-year rule where you have to be a head coach for 10 years in order to be in the college football hall of fame as a coach and he was a defensive coordinator for uga when they won the natty in 1980 people forget about that that's a big deal and i mean he was the leader of that like he was kind of the heart and soul of the team i know vince dooley was the head coach but he was kind of the heart and soul of that of that team because he had that nasty attitude the junkyard dog defense all that stuff then he goes to georgia southern a a team a, a program in a school that had no money they had no interest in really funding football for it to be a, a, a big thing uh the yellow school buses he got for dirt cheap because i think the county like the bullet county pretty much sold it to him for nothing it, it was a loss on their part shout and, out bullet county and we schools. still use them and <laughs> and and then on top of that like the whole reason that they have the helmets that they have is because they just had solid blue helmets, and so he put a piece of white tape down the middle of it as a way of making it look more fancy. And then the same thing with the numbers. They didn't have enough money for decals, so he used athletic tape and put numbers on the side of the helmet for practice in order to differentiate the players, and then it, it, it stuck. And so he takes that program and wins a natty year two? Year, th- year two of, of being I think he was three. Year three. 1984. Eight was the first. Eighty nine was the first. Fun fact: I thought eighty nine was the first. My program came back in eighty five. But so so with with all that being said, I mean, even if it's three years, you go from not having a program, 
not having any money and winning a national championship like that. He ended with three under his under his tenure. Uh, I I gotta say, man, like a guy like that, you 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 gotta have him in the Hall of Fame. Georgia Southern would not be an FBS one A program if it was not for Irk Russell. Uh, Georgia Southern, quite frankly, probably wouldn't be the university that it is if it wasn't for Irk Russell. So that's a guy that he elevated a program from being absolutely nothing to uh, ultimately beating Florida one day in the swamp. Just, I, I, I just had to throw that in there. I'm not chats here today, but I'm not even going to, res- I'm not even going to respond to that because my heart will forever reside in bullet County, Georgia. We love you. Bullet County. Yeah, sure. I don't care. Ca- that happened. That happened nine years ago. It's time for y'all to get over it. And I, uh, we I, love you. Bullet County. I say this, I say this as a rallying cry. Who's to say, Who's to say we don't drive to Irk Russell's grave, dig his body out of the ground, and let him coach? How many more years do you need? One? Two? I think one. I think one, coach nine one years. more year. Is it what is this weekend in one more weekend at Bernie's? We, we, it's get, weekend we get at Bernie's. It, we get at Irks. Weekend at Irks. Weekend at Irks. We weekend at Irks for one season. And we let him make the decisions too. We like put, put his little skeleton hand on the playbook. <laughs> we let him pick uh, NCAA. At this this point, it'll be NCAA 2023. Thank God. Yeah, thank God. We got a whole new playbook to work with, and uh, we're gonna weekend at Irks his way into the Hall of Fame. Instead, could, instead could of a challenge flag. We're gonna throw. It, we're gonna take one of his fingers off and throw it on the field. <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> Somebody's skeleton. Could you imagine <laughs> how disgusted Eric Russell would be at targeting calls these days? <laughs> like, like, if he, he, go, he, he go back in the grave, I don't like. Need, I, don't I need. think you you would you would he would want to go back. He would want to go back after he saw somebody get their clock clean and then get flagged for it. He'd be like, Jesus and whoever, Christ, whoever, I'm going home. Whoever gets to carry his body needs to have that kind of attitude as well. Oh, you know, yeah. like every also, time there's a targeting, he has to run on the field with the skeleton and beat the crap out of the referee. But, but, and, and, and can <laughs> because I, you can't eject a skeleton. You can't. You, you cannot. Can He's already dead. <laughs> He's already dead. What are you going to do, kill him? <laughs> can can I can I can I be honest though? Like, is there anything more intimidating than a than a like just a a bald head coach that's just like got that attitude of like uh, yeah a live skeleton also bald it's I mean, a bald skeleton I mean, every skeleton the is bald though <laughs> yeah we're gonna so, kill every referee in the Sun Belt. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, this is, this moving is a to conference USA because the Sun Belt referees are terrible. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, anyways, you know, point <laughs> stands derailed fast. Irk <laughs> Russell it derailed really fast. Uh, put put Irk put Irk in the Hall of Fame. It's emo night. Who, who are you cutting off? <laughs> <laughs> and then I am cutting off the New York Yankees because my God, I hate them. I hate them so much, and they are collapsing. Right at the right time, after they traded Jordan Montgomery, who was a very serviceable pitcher for them, they trade him to the Cardinals. The Cardinals are now in the division lead, mm-hmm. and then Giancarlo hurt because he's fragile like glass. Still waiting for Judge to get hurt. I don't think he's ever played a full season without getting hurt. Well, actually, nope. I take that back. The 2017 year, whenever Altuve won the MVP over him, I was about to say if you say 2020, that doesn't count. And no, he actually didn't even he play a full 20. He, he was hurt 2020. Yeah. So 2017 is when he won the home run derby, right? Uh, say so I think that was the year he maybe I, I know that he he was better than Altuve in every category except for batting average and he didn't win the MVP and Yankees fans won't let that go because they're like oh that's also the and that was the year the, the that, Astros yeah. won the um, so the World, World Series in the in the in the yeah. trash cans and yeah. stuff yeah. but the Yankees they are so stuck in 
the early 90s of Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera, and they think that that happened like yesterday still. They're like Georgia fans, but in baseball. Except for we actually just won a national championship. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, uh, <laughs> Say that Georgia more. fans pre twenty twenty one. There you go. Yeah, that 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 that, that works better. Twenty twenty two, technically. Shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Yankee fans are the worst. I hate the Yankees, and I hope they never win anything. And I'm just cutting them off because of that. Keys. All right, I'm pouring one out for our boy Chad here. It's good to have him back. Glad to have him back in Atlanta. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> for what? I'm just <laughs> I poured one out for Chad. You did? Yeah, I didn't see that. Angry Chad. <laughs> I poured one out for Angry you Chad. One out, you pour one out for Angry Chad. Yeah, I pour, pour one out pour, for Chad. Okay. Right. Pour, pour right. one out for the take, fact. Take back. Oop, pour fuck. one out for the fact that I'm moving back to this great state in five weeks. Yeah. Pour all, one out for that. I'll be back in the great state in five weeks. We're all happy Chad's back. All right. Sure. I was. I was very happy Chad. Was I'm here. glad. Shout out, Era. We're going to the concert tomorrow. Yeah, we're going back to uh, Nashville now that Wit has left, and we'll, oh, we have sorry, a- I got. We work. have no hotel though. <laughs> we'll figure it out, man. All right, and I'm cutting off everyone's favorite brave, Marcel Azuna. It just seems like the longer time goes on, there's the more just he becomes irrelevant. Honestly, uh, everybody saw the videos now because he got pulled over for a DUI in Norcross, Georgia. Uh, did you see the videos? I guess all of you guys saw the videos of him getting pulled. Uh, yeah, I I he's like, yet. he hands the Braves card to the. To, he's like, I'm, I'm Marcelo Zuna. I'm, I'm the Braves. And then he's like, Oh yeah, okay, buddy. Well, I smell alcohol coming from the car. The guy he goes, Oh really? <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah, no, really. Uh, so Marcelo Zuna just keeps getting worse as it goes on, but that's okay because we've kind of already replaced him. I'm just ready for him to be off the roster at this point. I, I will say I saw something today that's going to be disappointing, and it's that. We cannot get out of the contract. If we DFA him, we owe him all forty-one million. Pay him. Pay him. I don't care if we pay, pay him. him. As long I, as honestly, I, I'm with you. I think we pay him and we get rid of him. And a roster spot. It's good for us. Yeah. How about this? I will trade him to the Miami Marlins. He can go back to. That's where he came up. Get Solaire back. And no, 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 no. We're not getting. Solaire. I will take a half-eaten grilled cheese sandwich <laughs> and one loaf of good Cuban bread. Actually, can we? Deal. Can we? Can we throw a bag of half-eaten ranch sunflower seeds in there as well? Can we include Jake Odorizzi also? <laughs> Did you see what else happened? And Jackson day? Stevens. That guy, <laughs> Jackson sucks. Stevens is a joke. He sucks. So the same day that Marcelo Zuna gets arrested for DUI, the police in his home country close his restaurant due to noise complaints. <laughs> oh, I did. I, the guys, I, I did see that. He's not high right now on life. He's he might be high on something else, but he's not high on life. Gonna have forty he's, million. Man, that that dude. <sighs> Forty-one million. Don't short him. <laughs> He'll lose that million in the DUI case. He'll break his hand again. <laughs> all right moving on all right ian so, what's your poor one out so my poor one out uh this is going to sound like a good uh georgia versus florida rivalry when it comes to my poor one out and cut one off but my poor one out is going to be george pickens absolutely just catching the limelight in the nfl right now just blowing everybody's mind and all these catches and that i mean fantastic touchdown he caught i mean i thought he was going to be really good in the NFL, I mean, I'm a Steelers fan, so I mean, I double love it. I'm glad that he didn't go to the Ravens, like people were saying, because I did not want to have to hate that guy, because I would have had to hate him. But 
he's just tearing it up. He's doing great. He's hurtling people. He's catching amazing passes. So I'm going to pour one out for him. He's really just kind of killing it. And I can't wait to see what he does and what they do in that offense with him and Deontay Johnson. And um, I think it's going to be a good season for the Steelers, even with quarterback kind of being up there. So that's who I'm going to pour one out for. Now, who I'm going to cut off. I hate that Chad just walked away as I said, that, as I'm going to say this, but I know everybody saw all the South Carolina Costco cards for the tickets and stuff. Well, the Florida Gators just released that they're doing the same thing, but I think theirs is just a little worse because I think they're a little bit cheaper, which is kind of sad. And they're also offering two free hot dogs and two free drinks at the stadium. I consider buying it. Uh, I mean, I would consider buying it, but it just shows how much they're probably struggling to fill their stadium for this upcoming season that they're having to stoop that low to do that. And I just think it's sad, you know, would never see the dogs do that. Sadly, you'll never see a dog's ticket that cheap, which really sucks. Hey, Costco? But, oh, come on, man. They just want a natty. They're not, yeah, I, they're not that That's what I'm saying. I don't want to hear about either. high ticket prices. I hate it, but... I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> I don't. Oh, oh yeah, y'all, y'all are pretty bad. prices are cheap. Besides the A&M game this year. I wanted to go to that A&M game so bad. Baby fans don't show up to games anymore, Matt. That's not true. They show up, they just leave in the third. Yeah, when just it's buy over. the ticket in the third quarter. Everybody be gone Totally by missed my cut Chad, off, Chad. Your opinions on the Costco Florida tickets with the two <laughs> hot dog deal? $60 for a high, for a actually, high up seat and uh, two two hot dogs. Did we actually do that? Yeah. yeah. If you think about I it. So, I right. haven't seen that. Two hot, <laughs> I didn't know we did that. Two hot dogs and two drinks. At a stadium game, it's may almost may like not forty be, bucks. May or may not. So be you're real. <laughs> really getting tickets for twenty dollars. So, so you're saying that that that's like a thing in Gainesville, Costco. In Costco, Costco, yes. Well, I mean, why are you mad at us, bro? We're no, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at. You. <laughs> <laughs> hey, anything to get the fans there. Hey, man. Like, Can listen, Florida fans we, afford a Costco membership. <laughs> well, no, well it, depends, it depends on how much we spend on our jorts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are going to pick week zero games. I know we are a week out from this starting, but uh, there's really only one we want to pick. It's Nebraska against Northwestern. Nebraska is a 13-point favorite. Obviously, a lot going on with Scott Frost and uh, Casey Thompson coming over from Texas and everything like that. They're playing in Ireland, which is really cool. Uh, Chad, since you're our honored guest, we'll let you have the first pick. Um, I'm actually going to go with the Wildcats on this one. Um, I'm a big Big low key Pat Fitzgerald fan. I, th- I think he's done a great job in his tenure there. You know they've been they've gone three. They had a good year in 2020. They had a rough year in 2021. They went three and nine. Um, but Pat Fitzgerald has never had three consecutive losing seasons, and I don't think he's going to have back to back this year, um, especially with uh, Young Hilinski coming in from South Carolina like he did last year. Um, I mean, I think Nebraska is going to be recruiting wise more talented more talented they're going to be a better coach team in terms i think scott frost is a better coach than pat fitzgerald um i mean i think just because of what he got out of ucf but the only reason i'm picking northwestern in this game is because i i'll see what scott frost does and i'll believe it when i see it i just everyone builds up nebraska and especially with casey thompson coming in I mean, I just I believe it when I see it, and everyone wants Scott Frost to be successful there. They want Scott Frost to finally be the guy, but I just don't think they can do it. I, it's been four years, and Nebraska still thinks they're blue blood, and they're not. And I think Northwestern is. I just think Helinski's a better quarterback than Casey Thompson. I do. Um, he's played better. He's played against better competition when he was at South Carolina than Casey Thompson did in the Big Twelve when he was at Texas. 
and I, and I think that makes a difference in this game. And I think Northwestern will win by a big close game. I think Northwestern wins by seven. I am with you. I'm a huge. I'm I'm not with you on the pick. I'm going Nebraska here, but I am with you. I'm a huge Pat Fitzgerald fan. If you've ever listened to the podcast, I've I've mentioned him as like my most underrated coach and. In football, solely because of what that, how hard that Northwestern job is with who you're competing with recruiting wise, with who's in your conference, plus the academic standards that Northwestern has to hold. Uh, I'm going Nebraska for one reason, and that's because last year, even though they lost, they were in a lot of games. They were in a lot of games against a lot of uh, opponents. I think they lost to Michigan by three. Every loss they had was by one it, possession. And and to me. That that's a sign of the guys are still playing for Scott Frost. Now, I I don't know that Scott Frost is going to be the guy that's going to bring them back to national prominence. But what I don't think anybody is. I think Nebraska's time as a national program is past, and thus I'm going Nebraska uh, over Northwestern in this game. But Nebraska not going to put them in any major bowl games anytime soon. I'm going to make my pick super, super, super brief. Nebraska beat Northwestern last year 56-7. to And I don't think Northwestern is going to be much better than they were last year, and I do think Nebraska is going to take a pretty significant step forward, mostly because of what they bring in from recruiting uh, and what they bring in from the transfer portal. So, I I mean, I don't think they're going to destroy them like they did last year, but I, I do think they are going to win this game. Uh, and... To end off the show, we got five picks that we're going to let Chad make. Uh, Chad, keep it brief. But uh, we'll start with uh, the first game. We got the Backyard Brawl. This is one of Chad's favorite rivalries that we're bringing back for the 2022 season. Uh, West Virginia at number 17, Pitt. Pitt is a seven-point favorite. Who you got? I got West Virginia. Um, I know this is on the road. But really excited to see this rivalry brought back. You know, this is this was a great rivalry back in the mid two thousands. You know, in two thousand seven, that crazy season, Pitt ended West Virginia's national championship hopes. Um, but I think you know Pitt lost a lot, and I don't even think Kenny Pickett was the biggest loss that Pitt had. I think Mark Whipple going to Nebraska um, to be their offense coordinator. He was at Pitt for the last couple of years. Um, Jordan Addison's another big loss. You know, I just I don't think Pitt. I think Pitt's a little overhyped to start the season. I don't think Pitt should be ranked. I think last year Pitt took advantage of of a weak ACC, won the ACC championship game, and I just think West Virginia with JT Daniels coming in. I know JT Daniels has a history. We really haven't seen probably what all JT Daniels can do, but I think West Virginia overall probably a better team. So excited to see this rivalry back. I'm really excited that this is what's kicking off college football season officially, not week zero, but week one on Thursday night as our ESPN game. I think West Virginia takes it. I think that line is probably about right, except you flip, you flip it, and I think West Virginia wins by seven. I like that pick. Well, that's Mountaineers. the line, so you have even. I do have even, but I'm just flipping it to West Actually, Virginia. Actually, no, never mind. I'm completely wrong on that. Uh, on you the flip game, <laughs> we have the Chick- Chick-fil-A kickoff game. We got Oregon. Uh, it says at Georgia, which is completely wrong. It is played at Mercedes-Benz. It is at Georgia. Don't get don't don't get it twisted. It the game well is still in the uh, state. There should be a lot of Oregon fans to show up, but uh, Georgia's oh, yeah, like three thousand favorite, and uh, have at it. What you got? I got... I got Georgia. I think 17 and a half as Georgia's a favorite is too little. I think Georgia's going to absolutely come out and just obliterate Oregon. I, Oregon is talented. Oregon is a very good team. With the talent that Oregon has on the roster stacked up against the rest of the Pac-12, there's no reason that Oregon shouldn't win the Pac-12 from a talent standpoint. 
by miles. By miles. And I don't I don't care what anybody has to say about USC. I think Oregon's a more talented team right now with the way the last few years have been with Mario Cristobal there. But this is just not even going to be close. Not even going to be close. This game is a home game. It's in the state of Georgia. It's in Mercedes-Benz. Mercedes-Benz is basically an hour, hour and a half away from Athens. Um, this place is going to be red and black all over. There's going to be like a tiny cosmopolitan section of just Oregon fans like stacked up in the in the upper deck somewhere. And it's Georgia's too talented. They're the defending national champions. Even, even as a Florida fan, I can admit Georgia's still probably one of the top four teams in the country this year. There's no reason they should not go undefeated into the national into the SEC championship game against Alabama. And I, I, Georgia's just going to murder them. It's not even going to be close. I, I just don't see it. I don't care about Bo Nix. I don't care about you know the talent Oregon has. They just cannot compete with this Georgia team. Kirby Smart's a great coach. Wish Florida had him. Um, we'll admit that 100%. And I mean, they're just Georgia's better. Georgia's better. They're better by a lot. I got Georgia by at least at least 24. Chad, you're going to have to take the breakdown just about half of what you're doing right now. I, as much as I appreciate it, because I think you're doing a really good job. Yeah. I absolutely love all the Georgia love that he just <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, make sure that's recorded. Like, <laughs> whole, put, put that in an audio file. Say, we got to put that on the TikTok. <laughs> we don't even have one. All right, game three, we got number 23, Cincinnati, uh, heading to Fayetteville. Take on the Hogs, number 19. Uh, Hogs are a seven-point favorite. You got uh, Great game. Interesting game. Um, last year's G5 playoff team coming into against an Arkansas team, which we talked about earlier. Got a lot of hype coming in the season. Um, but I think the fact that this game is in Fayetteville is going gonna, is gonna to lean towards Arkansas with KJ Jefferson being an experienced quarterback, Cincinnati not having the same experience, what they lost last year with Desmond Ritter. Um, I'm going to go Arkansas. By 10, I'm going to bump that line up a little bit. I know Arkansas is favored by 7, but I'm going to go 10. I mean, it's just SEC home environment. Arkansas is probably more talented top to bottom on the roster. Cincinnati lost a lot. I think Cincinnati will still be a good team. Um, I think if Cincinnati does find a way to win this game, then um, Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati definitely has a shot to try to do what they did last year. It'll be a long shot, but I think Arkansas wins, and I think it's by 10. Uh, fourth game, we got number five, Notre Dame, taking on the Ohio State Buckeyes, who are ranked number two, and uh, Ohio State's a 15.5 point favorite. Here you go. Uh, I think the seven. I think the 7.30 game is going to be a repeat of the 3.30 game on ESPN and ABC. Uh, Ohio State's absolutely going to just run Notre Dame out of the building. It's not going to be close. Um, you know, Marcus Freeman, I think he's a good coach. I think he's a great defensive guy. He was the mastermind behind Cincinnati's defenses for those couple years that he was there before he went to Notre Dame. But Ohio State's too talented. Notre Dame lost Brian Kelly. Notre Dame absolutely collapsed in the Fiesta Bowl last year against Oklahoma State, a team that's not even close recruiting-wise and talent-wise to Notre Dame. But probably Mike Gundy's a better coach than, than Marcus Freeman, and he proved that last year. And if Mike Gundy's a better coach than Marcus Freeman was right out of the gate, do you think Ryan Day is going to be less than that? No. As much as I hate Ohio State, the state of Ohio, the Big Ten, and their fan base, Ohio State is going to run Notre Dame all over the field. I don't think it's going to, I think it's going to be a blowout, but it's not going to be a blowout in a sense of the score. I think the game is probably going to be somewhere around 31 to 14, but it's going to look worse than the score indicates. I think Ohio State absolutely dominates Notre Dame on the ground and in the air. CJ Stroud's a Heisman candidate. Ohio State's going to be in the college football playoff. And finally, uh, what I would say is probably Chad's most uh, looking forward to game. Of week that I won't one. even get to watch. Yeah, that he. What are you doing? Working? I'm gonna be at a concert that night. Oh God! Well, that's that's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> it is my fault. That's 120 dollars out, and I'm gonna be at a concert. Well, number seven, Utah heads into the South for probably the first time ever. 
to take on the Florida Gators, and they are a two and a half point favorite, ranked as number seven. So here you go. <sighs> I'm going to try to keep this brief, but as a Florida fan, it might go a little long. Um, I think I think there's a very good chance, and I think in reality we're supposed to lose this game, but we won't. We won't. Um, I know it's a new coaching staff, but Anthony Richardson, I think at times last year when Dan Mullen wasn't throwing him into the spotlight, at times he wasn't ready, like the Georgia game, like halfway through the LSU game. Um, he's going to be ready. And our receiving core is not as bad as people think it is. We still have Trent Whittemore. We still have Justin Shorter. We got a tight end who's a young guy, redshirt freshman, who's going to be an absolute beast. People are comparing him to Kyle Pitts. We got that transfer from Arizona State. Not good with names, but our O-line comes back. Our O-line's very experienced. We didn't lose a lot on defense to bring Britton Cox back, Trey Dean back, guys like that. We lost Muhammad Diabate at linebacker, who's actually at Utah, so that's a big return for Muhammad Diabate. But I think the only reason we win this game is because we're in the swamp. I think if this game was in Salt Lake City, if it was late at night, 9, 10 o'clock kickoff on ESPN, and we were out in the West, it'd be different. But this game is in the swamp. The swamp is going to be absolutely rocking. I don't get, I don't care what that blonde girl who doesn't know a thing about football said about the swamp on her Barstool podcast this week. The swamp is a great place. It's a great place to play. Great environment. This crowd is going to be fired up. I mean, the way Billy Napier is recruiting right now, the crowd's behind him. The team is behind him. I think the program believes in Billy Napier. And this is, again, a 100% biased pick. But I think that two-and-a-half line for Utah, it's probably right around the good point spread. I think it's going to be a great game, a very physical game. I don't think Utah has the athletes, even with what Dan Mullen recruited at, to keep up with Florida because Utah's always recruited in the 40s. And even when Dan Mullen recruited in the 20s and kind of mid-teens, we're still far more athletic than Utah far more athletic than Utah. And again, this game is in the swamp. It's a night game on the road. First night of Billy Napier's tenure. I think Florida wins by a touchdown late. I think Anthony Richardson shines. I think the defense plays very tough. I think that's one thing that's being overlooked is our defense has enough talent and Todd Grantham just didn't know how to use it. We win by seven on a late touchdown. Um, and we start out the year one and oh, Regardless of what Whit Barfield ever says on this podcast, I just want this to be known because I won't be here to argue it. Six and Florida six. is not going six and six. Florida is going eight and four at a minimum. And we're going to win this game in the swamp to start up the tenure right. We love you, Billy Napier. We hope you work out. If not, we'll have a new coach in four years. Well, that's our show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Before you guys log off today, please don't forget to drop us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow on our Instagram and TikTok at Around the Keg and on Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. If you'd like to help support future episodes, please click the support link in the description of today's episode or check out our merch at AroundTheKeg.com. Send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Have a great week. See y'all.